thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone is having an amazing day today. It's Thursday, June 1st. Oh, yeah. Today is National Game Show Day. National Pen Pal Day because everybody should be writing somebody. It's also World Milk Day for all you dairy lovers out there. And National Go Barefoot Day for all you people with amazing feet. National Heimlich Maneuver Day for all you people choking on something, and thank God for that because we still want you here. It's also World Reef Awareness Day. You guys thought I was going to say reefer. I know you did. It's also National Nail Polish Day because the nail polish industry is way more politically astute than the cannabis industry. And National Say Something Nice Day. Well, uh, we've I've already told you guys all good morning, so look at that. It's also National Hazelnut Cake Day, Global Day of Parents. So shout out to all of the parents out there, all the dope dads and dope moms out there. And most importantly of all, everybody, it is officially our 200th episode today of High at Nine News. Thank you all for joining us. High noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to find out where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But we're going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite, the Quasimodo caretaker, little Zozo's dad. And that's right. He is the professional backpedaler, flip-flopper himself. That's right. It is none other than the Rico Lamite. Slides over flip-flops, bro. Slides over flip-flops. So um, <clears throat> happy 200th episode everybody appreciate all the support the love the hate all of that and um jason right on schedule we're gonna take things out to new york and dissect what's going on new trap city so um you all may recall a recent new york story we covered about the state being sued for holding up an at large uh, all the at large bids to enter the potentially three billion dollar market with the first couple hundred spots reserved for social equity well, judging by the recently revised regulation proposal by New York's Office of Cannabis Management, the Coalition for Access to Regulated and Safe Cannabis, a group of angry MSOs who all agree the, the pure dopamine rush you get from using a fast pass to skip roller coaster lines all day with the bros while watching normies and pores fry in that snake line heat all day for hours is always worth the premium because they won. The draft regs not so subtly uh, hinted at major upcoming policy shifts that give MSOs an early entrance to the Empire State's potential $3 billion market. And if they're approved, not only would it amount to New York's 2017 Jerry Brown flourish moment, but also a major blow to the social equity applicants who promised, who were promised first dibs at legal operations. Governor Kathy Hochul and the OCM buckled under pressure of a looming lawsuit filed by uh, the state Supreme Court. Uh, by CARSC, 
And with the revised regs, they're hoping to pump fresh blood into its currently anemic supply chain. As of today, only 12 retailers and three designated temporary delivery-only operators have opened legally in the Empire State, a far cry from the promised 20-a-month Hochul promised at her infamous December 29th photo op. Fast forward to today. About half of New York's 1,520 municipalities are opting out of adult-use retail, um, including the majority of towns in densely populated Long Island. OCM is about to face... on. Um, about uh, OCM's about face on MSOs is expected to be approved following a public comment period, effectively eliminating the original three-year waiting period reserved for the 10 vertically integrated registered organizations, they call them ROs out there, and smaller operators are feeling snubbed. Those supporting the movement, they call it a win-win for everybody. Under the state waiver plan, MSOs will be assessed multi-million dollar one-time fees to transition into the adult use uh, status, and those fees will be used to support a regulated or approved social equity and economic plan. But to say the plan is light on specifics would be an understatement. In it, there are vague promises about workforce support, antitrust measures to hinder monopolization by larger companies, and a broad diversity of ownership and improving market access for, for small independent businesses. Much like California and pretty much every other state that's taken a crack at social equity, the lack of program details means operators who qualify are going to be stuck in limbo for years while a rotating cast of legislators and stakeholders duke it out, giving plenty of time for the MSOs with established SOPs and scalable processes to set the tone for normalcy and what that even looks like in a New York weed market. Speaking on recent turn of events, Jason Tantalo, who helped establish the New York Card Coalition, NYCC, for licensees and applicants, said this. Nobody was expecting to see these regulations change with the snap of a finger, but the ROs entering the market. Uh, but it's our job to, as a coalition leader uh, to try to pivot and handle the situation accordingly. Card licenses uh, he was involved in creating were earmarked with, uh, for applicants with a, a prior uh, arrest or charge related to low-level marijuana offenses. B, a family member who was charged with an arrest for low-level marijuana offenses. Or C, at least two years operating a profitable business. MJ Biz Daily reported that separately, NYCC, um, with 150 operators and making up the vast majority of 215 total card licenses, is supporting new legislation um, proposed by Senator Jeremy Cooney that would overhaul the regulated market. Similar to the OCM's proposal, Senate Bill S7045 would allow MSOs to convert three of their medical stores to adult use for a limited time only uh, deep at a discounted price of $20 million in one-time fees, uh, optionally paid in installments to exclusively fund what they're now calling social and economic equity and incubator assistance. Then there's Cannabis Association of New York uh, with hundreds of members along uh, the supply chain with both plant touching and ancillary businesses um, involved there supporting the recently introduced bills, uh, the two recently introduced, uh, introduced bills, Assembly Bill A7430 and Senate Bill S7354 that would extend the conditional use deadline and allowances until June 1st, 2024. Um, and the association wrote an open letter about the bills. This legislation is critical to the survival of our state licensed adult use conditional cultivators who are unable to sell their product at this time due to lack of promised market. Should New York fail to amend the law extending the conditional processing period, it will place our existing farmers who have converted portions of their land to grow a cannabis crop at a significant strategic disadvantage uh, compared to the rest of the sector. This would be disastrous for the nascent market and would dull the otherwise burgeoning new economic opportunity available to those wishing to take a risk on cultivation in New York. Finally, the whole money issue. Who's going to pay for all this DOA bullshit? We reported several times already on New York reneging on its originally planned $200 million social equity fund that was to be administered through the Dormitory Authority of New York uh, to help fund startup costs, find rental properties and um, for entrepreneurs, and establish turnkey dispensaries. The state failed to secure private investments to support that venture. Um, predictably sending the entire market into a tailspin only the trap could survive. 
The new MSO allowances stand in direct conflict with the New York Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, the MRTA, which aim to provide unprecedented opportunities for quote unquote justice involved individuals and their families. So in summary, the lawsuit, which includes acreage holdings, Cureleaf, Green Thumb Industries as plaintiffs, aims to provide a quicker path to entry for the um, than the original plan did, lays out the first uh, guidelines for consumption spaces and cannabis farmers markets, too, which are set to be opened uh, by July. And under the proposals, consumption areas must be affixed to retail location and will be available for consumption by cons- uh, by customers until 4 a.m. A late night option widely res- restricted in other markets and allows up to three growers to partner with a retailer to sell cannabis products at non-storefront locations. Sounds good for everybody, right? Well, the responses have been a mixed bag for the stakeholders. Sasha Nugent, retail manager at Kathy Hochul's favorite weed-scented photo booth and Manhattan's first to open retailer housing works. They, uh, they say that they hoped that regulators would have had to wait longer to make sure that New York didn't ha- oversaturate the market with ROs, giving them an unfair advantage. Alex Norman, a card applicant and founder of Bodega NYC, has a more pragmatic approach with his reaction. Here's what he said. We were always going to eventually compete against the biggest companies in the game. There was never an expectation that they were never going to come in. Tantalo says, a lot of the people are being impacted financially uh, with every link in the supply chain is on the verge of bankruptcy. And above all, he wants to see regulators stabilize the int- uh, industry so smaller operators can move past the choppy rollout and compete for business. So all in all, New York is an absolute mess. Um, I've said it from the beginning. Jason said it from the beginning. It just seems like an expedited version of what we have experienced over the last six years here in California. And um, who knows gonna, who's going to win out? Um, a lot of people at the bottom, uh, they feel like they've been uh, hit with a bait and switch. Um, I'm not going to say it too many times after this. Uh, I told y'all so. Uh, but um, I'm interested in hearing uh, what everybody else has to say about this. Um, what do you think? I'm Rico Lemit, dopest dad on the street. Hi, Nine News. I mean, man, Rico. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like I wonder, all because, you know, all the MSOs left California. Yep. I wonder how long is it going to take for all the MSOs to actually leave New York? I'm pretty sure that's why they sued them. Because <laughs> they're like, we've seen this story before. <laughs> we've seen how this, we seen how this movie ends. <laughs> that's why they went forward with that lawsuit. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an absolute shit show. And um, me and you, we've been saying it since day one, since that uh, photo op that, that Kathy Hochul did at, at Housing Works. Um, and, but other people were like, oh, yeah, New York has got their shit together. Like, nope. nope. Six months in and um, 19 did, total. Did I, did, I, did I hear you right say that they're going to allow the stores to stay open until 4 a.m.? 4 a.m. <laughs> Trap is, City, only, uh, Trap City, uh, is, is this only for the MSOs or is this for all adult use license stores? So that's for a consumption. They're going to al- allow a consumption licenses, but they have to be tethered to the the uh, the brick and mortar shops. Huh. So. <laughs> interesting, interesting. I'm just trying to figure out how they're going to how how this is even going to make sense if you're only allowed- Come on, dude. Like this is a um it it this is for all, everybody out there who who who. who wants to tell me that i'm a super liberal and all that sh- all that bullshit this is <laughs> this is straight up like the democrats trying to please everybody all in one swipe here and um everybody's gonna be pissed off in in some form or fashion you're, yeah. not, going, you're not going to uh save face in the grand scheme of things um just uh, inviting everybody for a warm bath that's i think that's exactly what the whole Chul administration is doing they're trying to please everybody and it's not going to work go one way or the other and stick with it Man, oh man, oh man! I mean, you have any thoughts on this, Rochelle Nicholas? Yeah, for sure. Where's Gretchen to argue for government regulation when you need it? She is uh, uh, very, very conveniently gone. Yep, (laughs) straight up. Because Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a a perfect example again, yet again, of how government involvement ruins an industry. You know what I'm saying? It's done it out here in California. It's doing it out there in New York. And it's apparent that, of course, whenever 
they build these policies to benefit corporations and the monopolies and big government, it never helps the mom and pops. It never helps the small businesses. It never helps the little guy. It never helps the consumer. You know what I'm saying? We the people get screwed in the end every single time. Every but time. yet we are wasting tax dollars on them pretending like they know what the <laughs> what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? To try to regulate this market and try to control it. That's all this really is, is more government control. We need free market. Free market enterprise would create more opportunities but we got to get government out of the picture. That's what we need. Mm. What what'd you have to say on this, Rochelle? I just think there's no stopping the trap, especially in New York. I mean, it's so strong. It's so strong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's something like 1,500 illicit dispensaries in California. Right they, they can't even quantify them. They can't even quantify yeah. them. Yeah. They just put a number out there. <laughs> you know, and some of them are super nice, and some of them are the trappiest of the trap. But frankly, like, they're out there already, and who's going to stop them? And especially for those who have already developed that loyalty to those brands, like, why should they go to a regulated dispensary? Mm-hmm. I feel you. You know what? You know what I do think, though, for all the people that do shop at regulated dispensaries, I think that once these MSOs, the once the day one that they can sell adult use, they're going to eat up all the other dispensaries lunch. You yep. know why? Because I'm willing to bet that these MSOs are going to have better weed than all of the booth that all of the adult use stores are currently selling because all that product is years old. Mm. What do you know about that? This is a certified hood classic. <laughs> oh man the msos are gonna even eat up all the social equities profits all their money everything all the people are gonna go there because their weed is gonna be fresher dude it's this whole market was uh is pretty much doa from the jump man mm -hmm. uh, it had all of these signs from the beginning that you, know, you guys are just following the same exact bullshit that we followed and right. leaving the same exact things that we believed that, that, that these legislators are actually going to put you first and it just didn't happen. Yeah. Man, that social equity money doesn't ever trickle down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How yeah. can we ever expect it to when it's being siphoned at the top It's going in those greedy bastards pockets, man. That's why, that's why I call it socialist equity. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> funded by you yeah right <laughs> yep oh man new york new york new york uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to a commercial and we're gonna come right back oh yeah you know what time it is that's right it's tuesday over here at green street and we got smoky vanilla with us in the building so that's right it is time to stretch and smoke we just got done smoking now we're gonna stretch it out and then we're gonna smoke again let's go i'm smoky vanilla with my background in kinesiology and bodywork massage and assisted stretching you gotta come check it out baby check me out on ig it's smoky vanilla one stretch and smoke twitter smoky vanilla social club stretch and smoke we're also on Sports Recovery by Dan and Jam. If you want to feel as good as I look, then make sure that you get a stretch and smoke in with Smoky Vanilla. Yeet! Yeet! Oh, yeah. Look at Mark rolling in his whip. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, look at that. Oh, man, he got Matt Cube. Oh yeah, what's up, Matt? How are you? My chauffeur. I bet. I bet. Are you driving the chauffeur? Because because Mark doesn't drive. He's rich. He lives I've, now become, yeah, I've now become Mark's driver. This is this is how the topsy turvy world uh, has come about. Yeah, I love this. We're <laughs> fighting up here in Ukiah. You know, somebody had 99 pounds of some cannabis. I mean, so what? 99 so pounds. So you're saying that they were able to hide one of them? <laughs> <laughs> A bitch wasn't one. 99.9. <laughs> the 99 pound is a throwback to federal sentencing guidelines. Where I, yeah, I remember. 
federal judges had the discretion on how much to sentence someone if they were had uh, 99 plant less than 100 plants or less than 100 kilo uh, 100 kilograms they can otherwise if you have 100 to a thousand you get a mandatory five years in federal prison oh so, yeah and this this client here as i'm reading the police report well he already told me when he called he saw our videos the day after and he didn't shut the fuck up. He didn't. The cannabis was riding shotgun. So we have a tough road ahead of us. Uh, but it's a misdemeanor. misdemeanor. He could have just claimed that he was a gardener. Back, 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 back. What are you up to? Oh man, we're just we're just over here doing the news, Matthew. This this is the American. We got we got up to today. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah. You still have your, you still have your place in uh, West uh, West Hollywood. We're rolling, bro. We're rolling. We're 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 doing live. We can't go into all those kinds of conversations. <laughs> <laughs> no we're gonna hit the road. We're gonna hit the road. In the high road, baby. <laughs> all right, we love you guys. Hey, I'll be I'll be back tomorrow for sure. No worries, Mark. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for all your support. You have got it. You guys have a great day. Sure, brother. Now that we are uh, um, uh, done with that uh, personal FaceTime call for Jason from oh, Mark <laughs> Wasserman, <laughs> we're gonna introduce the <laughs> work today. So, introducing uh, the industry's longest continuously operating retailer, also known as White Gucci in Detroit, and Gucci Blanco is what the staff at Mar-a-Lago calls him when they're not snitching on the president and uh, the former presidents <laughs> and their concealed documents. Those, those Jason Beck. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. And I just as Rico, I'm giving you a warning that this story is a little long. So if I go too long, make sure that you let me know. But I'm just going to read this whole thing because this is so much information. I was trying to edit it down for you guys. Okay. But if it's long, just make sure it's strong, too. Yeah, it's definitely strong. There's a lot of money involved, too, because a Soros funded drug group behind pro marijuana laws is the <laughs> Battled in blue states. Oh boy, George Soros in the news today. Soros <laughs> in the cannabis news on our two hundredth episode of High at Nine News. Oh yeah, two affiliated George Soros funded groups are influencing marijuana legalization and decriminalization laws in Democratic run states that have seen substance abuse and crime rates skyrocket in recent years. Drug Policy Alliance and its advocacy arm, Drug Policy Action, received at least $2.8 million combined from the Soros-led openly Open Society Foundations Network from 2016 to 2020. Grant database records show the Manhattan-based nonprofit groups are helping to lead a sweeping pro-drug campaign across the United States that has seen marijuana-friendly laws passed in various blue states, including Oregon and California, according to campaign finance disclosures and other reports reviewed by the Washington Examiner. Drug Policy Alliance, which says it is, in quotes, the leading organization in the United States promoting alternatives to the war on drugs, was founded in the year 2000, while its sister advocacy and lobbying affiliate Drug Policy Action launched three years later in 2003. The alliance supports... Uh, <coughs> disempowering police in drug enforcement and response, reducing punishment for people in the drug trade and decriminalizing hard drugs like cocaine and heroin, according to its website. In a quote, I see that as a unlightened, uneducated and non-academic recommendation that doesn't have America's best public policies interests in mind, David Boltier, ex-senior advisor to former President Donald Trump's Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Stephen Hahn, told the Washington Examiner, how will kids and young people be protected and what message does legalization send to them? The alliance is also an offshoot of the Drug Policy Foundation, a group that in 2000 merged with the Lynn Smith Center, a former project of Soros's Open Society Institute, according to the OSF Network. A 2014 report from the Washington Times indicated that Soros Foundation to promote open society hands around $4 million per year to the alliance. In turn, the OSF Network has hailed drug policy 
Alliance as, in quote, the largest organization in the world working to end the war on drugs. Oh, man, that's some propaganda if I've ever heard it myself. But come on, we're going to keep on going. In 2021, then Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a law making New York the 15th state to legalize adult use cannabis use in the United States. The substance is now illegal in almost two dozen states, including Minnesota, where Governor Tim Waltz, Democrat, approved cannabis legislation just on Tuesday. One group behind the successful cannabis push in New York was the Drug Policy Alliance, which, in quotes, worked closely with advocates and communities impacted by prohibition and lawmakers to get to the quote to to get to the hold on to get the Cuomo law over the finish line, according to the alliance. The alliance has disclosed hundreds of thousands of dollars in lobbying in New York since 2019, including on the cannabis marijuana, including on cannabis and marijuana, according to the state financial reports. But more than two years after its passage, the law has raised heightened concerns among criminal justice experts who contend it paved the way for lawlessness. Over 1,000 illegal cannabis stores popped up in New York City following the law, leading to Governor Kathy Hochul's uh, in March 2023, requesting the state government authorize stricter enforcement powers and six-figure fines. That's right. The illegal smoke shops, which proliferated due to a lag system for entities to obtain licenses, have been ripe for robberies and other criminal activity, according to the New York data. The cannabis law has also come under scrutiny for its a championing of social equity, since it set a goal of 50% of licenses to be given to minorities. In a quote, the way it has been impacted has been a disaster because it hasn't been enforced, Cuomo said in an interview last week with WABC 770's Rita Cosby. He also says, you have a lot of stores that are not licensed to sell and they're not being shut down, he said. This is Cuomo saying this. Cuomo's sentiment has long been held by experts who have analyzed the law, including Charles Fain uh, Lehman, a fellow at the Manhattan Institute who works at the conservative think tank's uh, policing and public safety initiative. In a quote, he says, New York has selected the worst of both worlds approach where they aren't really interested in regulating public health, but also the primary priority of the law is advancing social equity. Fain Lehman told the Washington Examiner. He also said, in the meantime, they're allowed, they, they allowed the illicit and unregulated industry to flourish. Oh, boy. A second uh, statewide uh, substance push that, that the alliance and its advocacy arm supported was Oregon's Measure 91 in 2014, which regulated and legalized and taxed marijuana in the state and and also Proposition 110 in 2020 Drug Policy Action and its affiliate contributed at least $2.8 million to pro-91 committees between 2013 and 2014 campaign finance uh disclosure show i mean rico is, is that you hitting the bell oh no he, i'm sorry uh measure one me, measure 110 on the other hand decriminalized hard drugs and established a system in which someone caught with substances may either be fined up to a hundred dollars or call a hotline to receive information about addiction services but few of those but few of those uh who have been ticketed have ended up in court or phoning the self-styled treatment hotline, according to a document released by the Oregon Judicial Department back in April between uh, August 2020 and November 2020. Drug Policy Action poured over $2.35 million into Prop 110 committee. According to the campaign finance disclosures, it also loaned $150,000 to the committee, which reported a loan forgiven of more than $127,600 back in May of 2021. The Alliance's Executive Director, Cassandra Ferry, Hailed Prop 10 upon its passage as a model and starting point for the states states across the country to decriminalize drug use. Drug use. The law faced scrutiny in January uh, from from then Oregon's Secretary of State Shamia Fagan, who resigned in May, admitting to taking a role at the cannabis firm Veridile. Veridile Holding, her audit found the state lacked tracking metrics amid Oregon's ranking uh, ranking second highest in the U.S. for substance use disorders while coming in last for treatment access, according to multiple reports. 
Meanwhile, over half of Oregon's addiction treatment programs have not maintained adequate funding and staffing met to demand met to to rising demand, according to a testimony before lawmakers back in 2022. Over 1,100 Oregonians died from overdoses in 2022, a near double since 2019, according to the National Center for Health Statistics. And the 2014 passage of the marijuana law paved the way for Measure 110 and issues that have coincided with it. In in And according to Drew Draper, a top communications advisor for the Oregon State House GOP, in a quote, he says, it began the process of creating a culture of drug use in Oregon. Damper told the Washington Examiner, from from there, they went from marijuana to methamphetamine and heroin. Homeless camps are turning into open air drug markets, he says. California is another Democratic-led state that has witnessed the influence of the alliance whose advocacy arm contributed $530,000 to the state's committee for Prop 64, which passed back in 2016, and specified personal use and cultivation of marijuana for adults 21 years and older, and reduced criminal penalties for specified marijuana-related offenses and adults and juveniles, according to campaign finance disclosures. Drug Policy Alliance and Drug Policy Action raised over $5 million to fund the Prop 64 effort by coordinating with the political mobilization, social media, and public relations, and more, according to the alliance, which says it played a key leadership role in the California campaign. The law has resulted in a surge of illegal cannabis on a scale California has never before witnessed. A Los Angeles Times investigation revealed in back in September of 22, police have uh, have seen since have been overwhelmed in trying to address the plethora of unlawful marijuana farms, according to the outlet. And these legal loopholes have roughly coincided with spike substance use rates in California with a January 22 study finding that 20% of Californians over the age of 12 used marijuana in the past year. The decriminalization of drug use has had a devastating impact on our community, said the Republican California Assembly Mentor Bill S. Esselil, citing the state's 2016 Prop 47 law, which allowed prior felonies related to substances like heroin and cocaine to be classified as misdemeanors. In a quote, he says, I don't think that people will start using marijuana um, are probably not going to stop using marijuana. So I do have concerns about that, he says. And as far as the alliance, it has come on the approach of the bipartisan federal legislation that would permanently place fentanyl-related substances in Schedule One, a category for drugs that have high abuse, yada, yada, yada. And in a disappointing setback, the U.S. House passed the HALT Fentanyl Act, the alliance says in a, peti- in a petition it has been circulating on social media, it would ramp up harsh mandatory minimum sentences for fentanyl analogs, and it would permanently make all fentanyl-related substances Schedule One without first testing them for benefits or harm. Well, these people saying that there's benefits to fentanyl are just wackadoodle crazy, crazy, crazy. But... I'm going to digress. That was a long article. I'm sorry, you guys. What do y'all think about this George Soros-backed cannabis? All right. Where to begin? Is there any surprise? This textbook propaganda hit piece by the Washington Examiner, known for propaganda hit pieces, is now blaming the industry's failures on Democrats leading legal states mm-hmm. and pulling the good old dog whistles out by calling DPA a quote unquote Soros funded organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are funded by Soros. Is it not true, though, Rico? I mean, come on. It's all true. Hey, who, who's funding Cureleaf? Like who's funding? Like, <laughs> right? You want to talk about funding? Who's, who's funding any of these uh, right wing think tanks? Like, you, you want to go, go into where money comes from? Every single one of the dollars in our pocket has uh, slave uh, owners on on the back of it, does it not? Right? Oh boy, I'm not even right. So, if you want to talk about money and where money's coming from, we can go all the way from the root, or we can just talk about this piece as it is. is is a hit piece, and, and what are they doing? Are they even suggesting a solution? Uh, for the failed policies, yes, the industry is struggling. But um, are, are you going to? What are they suggesting? We put a bunch of Republicans in to run uh, run everything when they've been prohibitionists all up until today, and, and until they find out how much money they can make. Like, what's the, what is the point of this article? <laughs> like, can we get to that? That is. Well, hold on, hold on, because we do we do have Sean Kernan uh, with the Weed for Warriors in Clubhouse to to, to speak on this. Sean, are you with us? Sean? <laughs> I am, brother. You hear me? Yes, we hear you loud and clear, Sean. 
So uh, I, I agree with, with a lot of the article. I agree with, with what Rico's saying. But let me give you some background. I worked on Wall Street for Bruce Kovner, who's George's good friend and Dick Cheney's best friend, but a conservative source. So the answer to you, Rico, is they just put the, the Republican billionaires in charge, just like the Democrats have put right. Democratic billionaires in charge. Um, and I interviewed with George and was offered a job and when I was leaving Bruce and didn't take it. And I worked with George on Wall Street investments, so I know him. Um, and, and the problem here is simply there's no accountability in our politics. Uh, our bad policy it, it, on the left is empowering the prohibitionists, the AKA times. And the irony of Democrats screaming about billionaires on the right, well, they had the exact same problem mm -hmm. on the left. Um, right. You know, Bloomberg exactly. bought himself a presidential campaign with his billions, right? The problem with George and all these billionaires is George is an interesting guy. He made a lot of money, uh, they say, bankrupting the, the, the UK Fed uh, with his sterling bet. That's a whole separate discussion. With George, billionaire. I'm just not about making money. I'm a wise man, and he's been seeking credibility. If you look at his autobiography and people who have written about him years, it's really about himself. And, and so we can't deny DPA has bought horrible policy. And if you know how Prop 64 w was put together, they shut down debate. And they have to be responsible. And that's Lynn Lyman. That's Amanda Ryman. That's Ethel Nademan. And, and, and the policy they bought is just there's no accountability. It is bad policy. And we are arming uh, our brothers and sisters on the right to shut down everything we fought for. And, and at the end of the day, we have to say that's what it is. And this is what happens when you sell your political system to the few. And that's what's happening. We need to, as Mr. Wildstar said, get these assholes on the left and right out of office. Period. Oh, yeah. Rochelle, any thoughts on this, Rochelle? Did I hear an argument made in that piece, correct me if I'm wrong, that legalization of cannabis has uh, led to all the tent cities in Portland and all overdoses? Did I hear that right? I think there were that's a gateway. That was the gateway for for all of that because that that was the precipice, and then and then after that, then they started lobbying. Well, and I mean, in all fairness, DPA did start lobbying for all of these le lesser penalties on all of these other harder drugs. So so I can see where they they're getting that correlation from. Well, and here's the high potency thing. weed. <laughs> yeah, it's those dab pens. Those damn dab pens are exactly. uh, a fentanyl. <laughs> go, go ahead, Sean. What are you saying? Yep. Doesn't matter the reality of what we think and what the cause is. America is looking at the homelessness. America is looking at the blight. America is looking at the drug use. And you know what? They're going to blame Soros, rightfully so. And they're going to blame the left for allowing this to happen without any accountability. I mean, nothing has come true. We voted for Prop 64 to save the environment. We're causing more environmental damage. We're causing immigrant exploitation. We are causing a dangerous behind-the-scenes market. And guess what? Everything we said what we were here to solve, we haven't. You can understand why America is laughing in our face. And we are going to get annihilated on the political polling and lose control of this because we have failed. And the left is not willing to admit it. Bam. Bam, bam, bam. I like what he said, though. He said it has nothing to do with the leftists or the rightists. It has everything to do with just greedy people in between. And they have nothing to do with political party affiliation. They have everything to do with wanting to screw you, the little guy. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And on that, I think we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Whatever you're doing, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that like button. It is our 200th episode. And also, too, make sure that you head on over to our website, sign up for our newsletter, as well as check out this amazing merch. And make sure you also tell your friend about us because we think that organic growth is the best growth.
Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Rico, you with us? There we go. All right, there we go. Up next, up next, we are pleased to have back with us a cannabis and psychedelics writer and the editor of Green State here to uh, give Jason a little update on um, uh, how cannabis drinkables are running the market. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Up next, y'all know who it is. Rochelle Gordon, welcome back. Thank you, Rico, and congrats on episode 200, you guys. This is awesome. Can't wait to uh, excuse my dog in the, the background. The dog is in the background too. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Happy. What's your dog's name? Lucy. Lucy, Lucy, right on target, barking as soon as I start. Of course, yeah, I love Life it. Full time. Now she acts up. Classic. But we are going to talk about something completely different than what we've been on this episode. And it's about how CBD may be able to extend the shelf life of your produce. That's right. CBD has shown great promise in treating a variety of health conditions. But could the compound keep foods fresher longer? The answer may be yes. A recent study suggests that CBD may prolong the shelf life of strawberries. Uh, the findings reveal that a coating containing CBD isolate prevented decay longer than compared to untreated berries. Researchers in Thailand wanted to test out the antimicrobial and antioxidant properties of CBD to see whether the cannabinoid could keep fruit fresh. The research team created a solution which contained CBD isolate, biodegradable polymers used for drug delivery, a food additive called sodium alginate and water. Strawberries were dipped in the solution uh, and then in another bath of ascorbic acid and calcium chloride to create a gel around the strawberries. The coated strawberries were then placed in an open plastic container inside a refrigerator for several weeks alongside a similar container of non-treated berries. The CBD treated berries saw lower levels of decay versus the non-treated berries. And the treated berries also had better color and weight retention. The team used various concentrations of CBD within the experiment, finding that higher amounts of CBD had the best results. And this isn't actually the first time that CBD has been touted for food preservation. A 2021 study revealed that CBD oil reduced microbial development in strawberries also. The same study also showed that CBD-coated strawberries maintain their visual appearance for longer than uncoated berries, much like the study we're talking about now. While more research is needed to confirm these results, the two studies indicate CBD may be a viable option for consumers hoping to boost the shelf life of their fruits and vegetables. And though CBD dipped fruit is not a food industry standard, it may become a staple one day for shoppers hoping to reduce food waste. Um, I think this is a pretty interesting development. We've talked a lot about CBD for a lot of different things, but this is the first I've heard in regard to food preservation. I know uh, Jason was very excited before the show. We were talking about uh, what all these companies are going to do with all of their CBD isolate uh, instead of making Delta 8, which who knows could be illegal anytime soon. Um, so yeah, I think it's very interesting seeing these different applications. Do I think that we're going to see a wide scale adoption of CBD by food producers? Maybe, maybe not. It certainly would come at a high cost. And certainly I'm sure some people would feel concerned about it on the market. But for all those um, consumers who want to have a little uh, mixture of this at home to dip their fruit in, why not? What do you guys think about all that? I love this story. Um, is, I love this. <laughs> I know you This would. is my one of my favorite stories <laughs> of the day right here. <laughs> Are we heading to a place, you know, if federal legalization drops, is like CBD just going to be just like, the whatever, like you can do anything around the yeah. household. <laughs> item. It's just gonna be like that. It's gonna be like totally worthless. Like yeah. you just put it in anything. It's just gonna be like your your home remedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you need to clean those 
cuffs off your sneakers using little seaweed oil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Winterize your tires, spray yeah, a little CBD. Yeah, use, use CBD scuff oil so then that way you won't be scuffed up anymore. I think you have sure your grandma's got a, an empty bottle yeah. in the house. I mean, see so everything. How, how, long, how long did it preserve the strawberries for before they went bad? How many days, Rochelle? It said it was like an, they put the CBD strawberries in the fridge for like two to three weeks. And it was several days longer for the CBD coated strawberries versus the non-coated strawberries flowing. Several days. So not, not, not a week, just several days. Several days is what the study said. So let's just say you probably on average will get, will have, have your produce good for at least five days longer than what you what it currently is. If, I feel like that's a good conservative estimate. Yeah. If if your if your strawberries are dipped in CBD, <laughs> I guess <laughs> breaking news: McDonald's is no longer using preservatives; they are now using CBD. Exactly. I mean, I just I can't wait to see the section in the grocery store where it's like these CBDs are CBD enhanced for freshness. Right. You know what? I think it's an interesting question, though. Like, if, if this is what they're finding in preliminary studies, is there a possibility that CBD compounds could extend the shelf life of fruits and vegetables even longer? And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Well, at the same time, could, could, could it also preserve the life of, of all foods? And it, could it be a more natural, um, cleaner uh, preservative than all the chemicals that, that companies are currently using in Companies like Cargill and whatnot going to be like, oh my God, we got to get into the hemp business because we got to start. DuPont, Dude, DuPont can't use P, uh, PFAS anymore. They're going to be using CBD. <laughs> Gore-Tex, your Gore Tex boots that you got, yeah. Jason, <laughs> they're going to be coated with CBD next next all of, sudden, all of a sudden, Watch. these companies' bottom lines are increasing because they started investing in hemp and started producing CBD and they're using it on a mass scale. And all they're, they're going to show us how to really do it. I'm convinced after hearing uh, Hulk Hogan's pitch last week and seeing, you know, how CBD has preserved his <laughs> specimen of a body over the, <laughs> over the last several years, mm -hmm. I'm hyped. I need to get some CBD. I need to get my CBD on today, man. Get your wait. CBD on, oh boy. Hey, who conducted this yes. interview? And that's what I want to know. This is original piece by Rochelle. Yeah, so the, the study is out of Thailand. Um, don't make me try to pronounce it, but it was the it was first published in the ACS Applied Materials and Interfaces Journal, um, coming from Temasat University and Chubahorn Univers Research Institute in Thailand. Did you say Chibahorn? <laughs> Chul Chulabahorn. Chulabahorn. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to make me want to say it. <laughs> You would choose a shell company out in Thailand. <laughs> and at least they're looking into ways to preserve foods that are more healthier versus the ways that are doing now, you know, that will kill you, you know, that have led to actual health risks and uh, uh, bad health conditions. So um, that would be a better shift than anything. I, I applaud that research. That's good to hear. I told you tax dollars weren't wasted on this. <laughs> I like I like this story. Oh, don't worry. Tax plenty of tax dollars are going to be totally wasted on this. I bet it was U.S. tax dollars, just like uh, Israel probably use all those U.S. tax dollars that we've been supporting them for all of their cannabis advancement. Yeah, we. I think we should together. apply for a grant for this. Hey, Thailand is weed friendly. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Yeah, you didn't know Thailand is weed friendly stuff. No, uh, 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 hold up. Because of the story that I did last week after their election, not so fast. Not so fast. Um, um, the candidates that came in um, are actually anti-cannabis, and they're trying to figure out like how they're going to uh, um, replace that $1 billion hole that's inevitably going to be in their market if they block mm -hmm. it. So um, everybody thought it was a, sh a shoe in, but uh, both candidates that were running were against it. And uh, the party that actually won, they're trying to figure out how they're going to have medical only and no adult use. Yeah, but but I bet they're going to let everybody self-certify like in like in D.C. Be D.C. <laughs> the whole country's going yeah, to be D.C. going to be like D.C. And it's already the big trap market out there. So why not? 
free gift with your uh, in your fruit market, right? Little side of cannabis there. <laughs> <laughs> Little CBD. Dan, thank you? you so much for this story, Rochelle. We appreciate this. This was this was one of my favorites of the day for sure. Um, we're going to go to commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Oh yes, coming up next, that's right. It is Nicholas Wildstar. It represents the black conservative voice that Joe Biden would love to silence you for even acknowledging existed. And here to change the narrative, that's right, it's the governor himself, Nicholas Wildstar. You know it, hey everybody, happy 200th episode and thank you for being here. The Lexi Hotel, which has billed itself as the first cannabis-inclusive property in Las Vegas, is set to open its doors on Friday, June 2nd. Tomorrow, the small 65-room boutique hotel will allow any guest staying on its fourth floor, 420, to consume cannabis inside their rooms. According to the hotel operators, nobody will be allowed to smoke elsewhere on the property, including the hallways of the floors or public areas. But the legality of such a hotel is in question as it does not hold one of the state's 40 cannabis consumption lounge licenses. And the law surrounding private hotel room cannabis use falls into a gray area, Lexi Hotel operators argued. We don't sell any cannabis on the property, but if you have your own, we will tolerate and accept that you partake on the fourth floor only where we have uh, equipped those rooms with special units that filter the air, said Alexander Risk, interesting name, uh, the CEO of Pro Hospitality Group. And the law is, you know, on one side, also very gray, but it's not even dark gray, it's light gray. Your room for the night is your residence for the night. Risk was uh, referencing how Nevada law prohibits cannabis consumption in public places, but he said their council determined the hotel room is a private residence. Using that gray area, the hotel appears poised to skirt the state law. Under the Consuming Cannabis section of the Nevada Cannabis Compliance Board website, it states you cannot use cannabis in a public place, and cannabis can only be consumed on private property. At home, for example, and as, a lo- as long as the property owner has prohibited it. The Lexi does not hold a state cannabis license of any type, including for a cannabis consumption lounge, the CPB said in a statement to News 3. The CPB has not, contacted, uh, has not been contacted by the Lexi, and so we cannot comment on the legality of their specific business plans without additional information, they said. The Lexi property, formerly known as the Artisan, sits on Sahara Ave next to I-15, falling into the city of Las Vegas jurisdiction. When reached for comment, a city spokesman reiterated the Lexi has a license to operate a hotel, but not a consumption lounge. The hotel's location is within a 1,500-foot radius of a hotel casino, the Palace Station, so the Lexi does not meet the minimum distance requirement to apply for a consumption lounge license, the city added. The state law on marijuana consumption provides guidance on where cannabis can be used publicly and privately. The city did not directly address whether or not the hotel will be operating legally come Friday, but Alexander Risk, the CEO, said he is confident they'll be within state compliance and won't have to shut down or make changes. Risk said that uh, their security would enforce the rules of of no public consumption outside of the fourth floor rooms. The hotel's website fact page said, the Lexi does not allow tobacco outside designated areas since it is a non-smoking facility. We want to be pioneers into helping create the proper law, said Risk. And as these brand new laws are evolving, we want to be the ones that uh, trailblaze these laws and help write them in order to make sure that they are adequate. Clark County Commissioner Tick Siegerblom 
a longtime cannabis proponent and advocate, said he thinks the Lexi's interpretation of the law is sufficient and they should be allowed to operate. He doesn't believe the CBB has any jurisdiction in how the Lexi plans to operate. They can lose their hotel license, which is a big deal, but hopefully they can work with the city and reach a compromise, said Seeger Bloom. Um, no harm, no foul. And who are they hurting? The reality is if you go to the strip, people are walking around up and down the strip smoking. So if they use it in their hotel room, that seems to be a better for everybody. The Lexi will also offer other amenities, including dining, a bar and lounge and outdoor pool, topless or European style, as they call it. <laughs> this is Nick Wildstar, a.k.a. the governor reporting for the High and Nine News Hour. Speak now or forever hold, Joe Peace. Hold on, you're, you're telling me that they're going to have a European pool there. How many? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like you, you can't smoke blunts, but you can look at boobs right. all day. That's right. Boobs over so, blunts, so if, if you're if you're high, would you be part of the Liddy Titty Committee? Ooh, as long as they, as long as they uh -huh. ain't shitty. Oh man, I wonder how much they're charging for a room uh, a, a night, and and what the difference is between a, a non-smoking floor and the fourth floor um, per, per night. And N Nicholas, Nicholas gave some fascinating information in here that you know what they may be able to charge a lot of money right now because they may be going out of business pretty soon because he <laughs> liquidation <laughs> sale <laughs> they may only be able to you know make this money till next month he says their ventilation is going to get them shut down the aoc tech they are using is being outlawed essentially by a new ashrae standard that is set to come out next month ASHRE 241P will affect all businesses, he says, and uses hydrogen peroxide bringing uh, inserted into the air to chemically alter uh, contaminants. It does not affect particulate matter, which is the biggest byproduct of combustion, he says. So thank you very much, Nick Bradley, for that helpful information. So what, so what, what he's saying is... Uh, AOC is being re uh, replaced by uh, Chat GPT. That's what something, I got out of that. Something, something similar. See how the government always tries to screw you somehow. They're going to change the rules on what type of air filtration system you can have. So now you got another hoop to jump through. A hundred percent. It's probably yeah. it's probably backed okay. by the casinos too. Yeah. I mean, do you think it'll have better filtration than uh, than Circus Circus? I mean, Circus Circus is already a circus, but let, let's talk about this other part of this of, of this of this thing, this hotel thing. They're only allowing smoking on the fourth floor in your room, and you said that their lawyer is claiming it as a residence, and that's how he believes that he's skirting this. Nicholas, am I am I correct on this? Say that again. He he's he's claiming that it's a residence. In order yes, the, the hotel owner, he's saying it's private property, and because of that, he gets to treat it as if it was a residence, which under Nevada law, you know, he would be able technically to get out, you know, skirt around any type of I'm not, uh, sure. I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not sure if I'm buying buying that statement. I'm. I'm not. I. I think this might be a freshman lawyer, and he may be getting going to get schooled in the court of law. So that's why the county commissioner is jumping in to say, "Hey, I think according to what he's saying, he may be right. It may be a, a certain amount of time, like you're saying, before they make an attempt to try to shut him down. But if so, maybe they can come to an agreement to allow him to still stay in operation, especially if that fourth floor is booked constantly. You know, <laughs> oh, hello. I mean, I mean, if their fourth floor is booked, then they might as well just make every floor the same thing, and and really, eventually, yeah, who knows? But like, I just, I, I just, I think that they're going to get chewed up for lunch. Now, thankfully, um, I don't think that this this uh, this hotel is not actually on the strip. So, because because the hotels yeah. on the strip have different rights than the yeah. hotels that are off the strip have different rights as far as far as that goes so uh, this is going to be a fascinating case to continue and watch and uh i hope you'll bring us some updates and i want to see what happens i almost want to go to this hotel and just smoke in the parking lot like near valet 
Yeah, I can't wait. Um, I don't know if we have anybody in the audience from Las Vegas today, but I can't wait to hear Nicole Buffong's take on this one, uh, given the big consumption fight that they uh, that they dealt with <laughs> leading up to this opening in Vegas this year. I, so it's, it will be interesting. Nick's saying that they have to abide by the CCC report. consumption regulations, but I don't see why they have to since they wouldn't be filing for a license under the CCB for it. All the, and and they're not profiting off of it. They're they're just they're they're renting space and allowing that use in that space. So I, I don't see, I don't see how they're they're going to be forced to 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 get a license. I'm not buying that one yet either. Yeah, I mean they they, they can uh, go under the same clauses like an Airbnb, right? So uh, if you allow that on your property, you can do whatever the hell you want. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Just saying that haters going to hate. And um, when we initially started covering this story, was it like like last year sometime? I think it was uh, Adelia uh, Carrillo because she usually uh, uh, covers the hospitality stories. Um, we were saying the same thing. Like, we'll see if it actually happens. But um, uh, it's probably not going to be exactly how they, they map it out from the beginning. And it's, and it's not. It's definitely not. It was supposed to be cannabis uh, friendly through and through. And then they were having problems like licensing. So they, 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 they changed it over to, you know, like topless slash uh, um, uh, a cannabis consumption. And then they're like, oh, we can't get a license there. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how long they stay open. Uh, what rules they're able to stick to. But um, I think they have a lot of headwinds ahead of them. And they bit off more than they could chew. I think there's going to be a lot of disappointed consumers, frankly, who are going to get this idea in their head that this is this whole like cannabis hotel, right? And then if they can't get a room on the fourth floor because it's constantly booked, and then they try to light up by the pool and they're shut down. Like, are they going to be tolerant of that? Are they trying to put it out nope. there right now? Like, oh, no, you can't consume by the pool. But maybe once you're there, wink, wink, nod, nod, you can go ahead. Like, I'm very interested in seeing how it plays out, but I would hate for consumers who don't know what they're getting into to be disappointed. Also, too, I think I think we should also point out that we would like to encourage all of the members of our dabbing community not to necessarily rent rooms on the fourth floor because you're vaporizing. You can just get one of the other rooms that's probably going to be cheaper and save you some more money so then you can smoke, buy some more rosin. Love that, Jason. Yeah. I think, like the guy said, no harm, no foul. I mean, who's <laughs> really hurting other than the people that are, you know, uh, the ones that are anti-cannabis to begin with. So it's like, you know, anybody that's pro-liberty <laughs> are going to be okay with you doing as you please as long as you're not hurting anybody as the way we should be living in America. America. Uh, or you just do, do like the millions of other uh, um, of Las Vegas tourists and just smoke wherever the hell you want you want to smoke <laughs> <laughs> you can smoke anywhere in vegas i have not i don't i have not personally heard of or seen anybody get apprehended by any authorities for smoking openly in las vegas i don't know if anybody else had have you jason like i've been there multiple times since their legalization they're relaxing okay. their laws i've not seen or heard anybody getting hemmed up no, oh, and, and I'll tell you what, I've smoked in a lot of crazy places and I've, I've actually even smoked in some of the hotels on the floors and not had problems, but it's, it, it's been, it, it's only going to be getting looser. All right. Cause more and more people are going to be doing it and they don't want to stop people from coming to Vegas to spend the money. So they're going to have to figure out a way to accommodate people because the people are going to be the biggest bulldozer in this movement. Well, and, and real quick, we are at the we are at the top of the hour, but real quickly here, um, I did read earlier this week that um, a lot of the casinos are kicking out uh, all of the pikers. Uh, they're only letting high rollers into the casino, so it might be an opportunity for the low rent casinos or the, a lot of people who aren't going to be spending a hundred dollars uh, per card game uh, to roll over to the Lexi Hotel. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, yeah. Addition to that into a, a gaming room for all the pores. Oh man! Did you have one, one more comment there, uh, 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 Governor? Long live liberty and smoke weed every day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big thank you to everybody joining us today for today's episode, the two hundredth 
episode of High Nine News. You can catch us weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, High Noon on the East Coast. Uh, big shout out to the super fans showing love, getting their comments projected live on the big screen. Also to the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table on these great conversations to our production team cloud media partners house of fuego the vortex 91 club and all of our sponsors helping us keep the lights on and keeping our av struggles to a minimum and of course the very lovely jaja simone over there holding things down in clubhouse to all the haters out there i hope you stub your toe and start the month off on a terrible note <laughs> always cannabis sativa l the reasonable high at nine news team shows up every single day thank you babe it has been thursday June 1st, 2023. The show is over. You've all been blessed with today's top industry headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. And with your daily reminder to uh, look to the skies. And when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. Rochelle, you got the outro today. You're going to leave these people with a good message. Like uh, like Rico said, stay high and keep the, the, posit the positive vibes flowing. Yes, get on your level.